Peter Parents, Peter Parents Parkers. Peter Parents Parker Parker Peter Parker Parker Parker. Yeah, that. Yeah. Peter Parker's Parent Parker's Peters. Oh, Dom, one of your eyes has stopped working. <laughs> this glass. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> Always has been. Um, we'll just say, hi, we're back for Spider-Mans Part 2. Um, if you listened to the last episode, we spoke about the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, which is Spider-Mans 1, 2, and 3. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Mans 1 and 2 and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we came to the conclusion that 1 and 2 are really, really good. Yeah, you one, prefer 1. I actually prefer I prefer one. 2. Yeah. We both hate 3. Yeah. Um, we did kind of dip in a little bit into Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, because in particular, in reference to the Uncle Ben and Aunt May mm-hmm. stuff, because that is the biggest criticism that we had when we had this first reboot which was amazing spider-man in 2012 and starred andrew garfield and it was the first time they rebooted the franchise yeah but what they did was they retold the origin story yeah which i think everyone universally has said was the wrong thing to do um because we'd all seen it fairly recently and as i've mentioned in the last episode i think it had been done definitively yeah it's pretty much it's fine you don't need to do it again but for whatever reason they go no we want to go right back to the beginning he's going to be in high school again mm-hmm. we're going to see him get bit by the spider we're going to see uncle ben die but with this they had this whole stupid campaign it was a marketing campaign essentially of the untold story which they use in all the trailers and all the yeah. like, posters and stuff and the point of it was that they were going to delve into peter parker's parents yeah Remember name one? them Mary and Richard. Yes. It's Peter's middle name. Oh, shit. It's really ben, obvious. Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. What's May's surname? Maiden name. Oh, shit. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. I don't know. I can't Riley. Riley. Yeah, of course. Ben Riley. Right, yeah. Anyway, fucking right. <laughs> they, they rebooted it in 2012. Andrew Garfield. Now, a lot of people hate these movies and hate this version of the character. I don't know if it necessarily deserves the amount of hate that it gets. I think it deserves... Not not hate. I think it deserves some of the criticism that it got. Yeah. But at the same time, it did get an awful lot right. Yeah. But it did get an awful lot very wrong. Yeah, I think the principal thing that people have a problem with is the Peter Parker, um, or you know Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker, and the fact that he's basically, he's too cool. For a start, yeah, he's like this, like good-looking, like skater boy, punk type thing, and he's not really—he's a nerd, but not really. Like you have to, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it just, and it just seems weird. Like when you see it when they first introduce him in his high school, and he's this like tall, athletic-looking, like like with this perfectly quaffed hair, and it's like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, you're meant to be a dweeb. There's one thing I'll say about uh, Tom McGuire is that guy looked like he got punched in the face a lot. Because I want to punch him in the face, <laughs> like immediately. Just massive he, face. He has a very punchable face. Is the, the biggest face. And I understand why he got bullied, but whereas <laughs> I don't get why someone. The thing, like they, there, there is done like a bit too subtly because they've done like the whole implication that nobody knows who he is. Yeah, he's a bit and of a he's loner. like this loner outsider guy. Yeah. and it's like that's why he's sort of picked on is because he hasn't got any friends because. He's just a loner. He's an outsider. It's like, oh, you don't want to talk to him. He skateboards. No, he's oh yeah, he's he's like oh, he's the loner. He's like um, what's the name? The guy from um, Breakfast Club. 
Yeah. Smoke up, Johnny. Yeah, yeah Johnny Judd Nelson. Yeah, Judd Nelson. He's, he's that kind of is yeah. what they're going for. I'm like, that's not Peter Parker. No. You fucked that up straight away. But and then worse than that almost is that when he does start with, after he starts becoming Spider Man, he gets this like he's quite confident in himself, even in as being Peter Parker. Yeah. He's like the way he talks like he knows he's smart and the way he talks to the Gwen Stacy and all the rest of it and he's like flirty and cool and he's it's like no, you need to be awkward and like, you know, fucked. Yeah, basically, and you're just you're just too confident in yourself. Um, so it would have been nicer if they like, if they slowly seeded it and like give him at the beginning of the movie, just like give him a really shit haircut, dress him in really like hand me down old clothes, and just make him like and like in his because one thing I'll say about Andrew Garfield's performance is that he's really his physicality is amazing. Yeah. As in both Peter He looks the part. Yeah. In both and that's in but in both Peter and in yeah. Spider Man, I think. But then they yeah, so like his he could physically portray the sort of being a wallflower type thing, but mm-hmm. through his physicality he sort of looks down at the ground and he's a bit jerking all the rest of it. But when you look at what he's dressed like and everything else his aesthetic, it doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't work. So they could have just I think that's where they could have just made it better. Um, it reminds me his performance reminds me a little bit of like um, Mark Ruffalo yeah as the Hulk he's always looking down he's always like not like, making eye contact yeah won't make people, eye contact with people that kind of thing and like Pete, Pete's got that but then when he does he looks up and he's just like <laughs> like male model like perfect like Abercrombie and Fitch model bloke and he's like the fuck why, why, are, you, why are you hiding <laughs> I don't understand yeah. Um, yeah so there's that sort of major issue with it to start with um, but I think the saving grace of this series and both movies is that both he and Emma Stone have just got bucket loads of charisma. The, yeah. And the, they're just ridiculously watchable, in compar- particularly in comparison to Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. I mean, can, that's the thing. They were a couple at one point throughout the filming of those films. Yeah, both both sets were, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so much better and it's so much more natural with Garfield and Stone and the way that they act together and the way that they flirt together and the way that they the mannerisms that they the pre-existing mannerisms that they've got with one another yeah like there are ways that they sort of like he'll put his hand like there was a bit that we were watching earlier when they're when she's dressing the wounds on his chest and he's sat and he's got she's like resting her chin on his fist whilst he's supporting her in like a certain way. And it feels very natural. Yeah. The way that they talk, they don't have to look at one another in the eye whilst they're talking. It's not all this Shakespearean sonnet. Yeah. And not everything's delivered with all the fury and passion of one that's reading from a page with no context. (laughs) Day by day. Day by day. Day by day. He gazed upon her. It's like, you like a woman feed her poetry. I'm like, you know, that doesn't, there's not, there's not a real thing. Like Sam, Sam, listen, Sam's, the thing, the thing that they missed uh, there <laughs> is that there has to be like an a, an equal connection. That's one of the. This is one of the. Sorry to go back to last episode. One of the main problems that I have with the Raimi trilogy is how uncomfortably obsessed Peter is with Mary Jane. Yeah, yeah, that's my problem with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, and that it's especially nowadays. You're like, you should calm down a bit, man. Like, I get that there's the teenage crush from afar. But when it's being portrayed by a thirty-year-old man and a twenty-eight-year-old woman playing high school, it's quite clearly two adults and a man that has a seriously 
uncomfortable infatuation with I mean, this woman. You say that, they even take that one step further with the Garfield series. There's the point in Amazing Spider-Man 2 where he literally stalks Gwen yeah. as Spider-Man. He's, yeah. like, he's just perched on a rooftop as Spider-Man, just watching her from afar. Yeah. And then they have a conversation where she talks about her favourite new restaurant. And he goes, oh yeah, you love that place. She goes, what? She goes, oh yeah, you go there every day. It's on 3rd. Or like, he knows what street it's yeah. on or whatever. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? You And she doesn't immediately like throw a hot coffee in his face yeah. and tell him to fuck off. Like, they, I think both of these series have got the same issue where they, they get too wrapped up in the love story element of it. And it's sort of it may, it's to the detriment of both that both versions of Peter Parker. Yeah, it makes them both seem like sort of these desperate, clingy, sort of crazy, yeah, like yeah, and lo- lovesick the, puppies. And like there are there are like moments in the comics where Peter's like sat on a rooftop watching MJ. Yeah, but it's not done in such a seedy way. Mm. And like, yeah. the, like it's more believable with Garfield and Stone because they appear to be teenagers yeah to an extent to an extent i mean they're still fucking old they like, are both again, still in their again, 20s that, but at the same time it's scene. a lot more believable with them than it is with like the the problem one of the main issues i have with the amazing series is the guy that plays flash thompson yeah who's clearly a 40 year old man yeah <laughs> and it's and again, like there's a moment when you see him outside of the school on a bench and you're like oh that guy's picking up his kids <laughs> Yeah, because been, all of his kids are at least 18. There's, there's been an incident at the school where you've been called down again, and you're the deadbeat dad. Yeah. It's Kearney from The Simpsons, right? Yeah. His son is at the same school as he is. <laughs> but like, it's, it's so frustrating, though, again, because that is another example of like the casting's a bit off, and they have that stupid scene at the beginning where he's holding the kid upside down and making him eat his lunch or whatever, and it's like this really cliche, like, this is what bullying's like. Yeah. It's like, eat it, eat it. It's like, okay, all right. But then they do have a really good thing with Flash. Like there are a couple of really great scenes they have with him in the corridors. So immediately after the death of Uncle Ben, yeah, there's that bit. He comes up to say hello to, to Peter, give his condolences, and Peter immediately just goes like, "Not today, man. No, I'm not. I'm not in the mood for you fucking mm-hmm. about." Because it, the whole film opens with Flash just throwing a um, basketball at his head. Yeah, and he's like, "No, I can't be fucking dealing with you right now." And he goes, "No, come on, I want to talk to you." Peter like lashes out at him, and yeah. he just goes, "Look." I'm sorry that your uncle died. It sucks. I feel I'm I'm sorry. It's the moment that was it. it. And that's the opening you... line for that is he says, "Feels good, doesn't it?" Yeah, because it feels good. Which it? then completely turns around yeah. Flash's character, and you're like, Flash has experienced something like this too, which is why he's acting like it. But he knows it's wrong. Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, I, I'm your uncle died. I'm sorry." And so then you start reading into that. You go, "Shit, did like maybe his dad died when he was young, or what was his me?" Like, he did. He, is that is that the story? Yeah. There you go. But again, that's just, it's so frustrating because they're able to imply little things like that with very little. And then, and then you get the, there's a scene right at the very, very end of the movie where they're just, they're kind of friendly. And you mm-hmm. just say, oh, you're coming along, man, or whatever. And he's wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. He's like, hey, Flash, I like your shirt. He goes, oh, yeah, the chick's digging. Because, and that is an essential thing from the comic books, again, where it's like Flash Thompson is a massive Spider-Man fan, but hates Peter Parker, thinks yeah. he's, a, he's a dweeb. Um, but the, this goes on to a further extent down the lines with the comics as well. Um, so one of the really, really great things that they did in the comics with Flash is that they did an arc where um, Flash came out of high school and went straight into the army because right. that's what his father did. Um, that's where he was like an army family. So right. he came out of high school, didn't do well, went straight into the military. He got deployed and in, I think it was a bomb 
like a roadside bombing. So oh, he lost his legs. Oh fuck! Right. And then he came back and he started working at the VA. And um, he, because of his expertise, he gets brought into this secret organization that is using a venom symbiote or using the venom symbiote, and it they bond it to him. They use like this MacGuffin to make it form a suit and give him legs and send him out as Agent Venom. Yeah. And then it becomes a thing where, like, Pete can't work out why all of a sudden he doesn't feel anything that's happening around Flash anymore because the Venom doesn't set off... Venom doesn't set off the spider sense. Okay. And stuff like that. So it's it's really clever how it goes on in the comics as well, mm. which is one of the things that they were initially talking about with spinning off from this. Okay. Was introducing the Venom symbiote. And then having an Agent Venom film. Okay. It's interesting. Which would, I think, would have worked really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting because I think what we get with both of these, both the Amazing Spider-Man movies, is they are completely reactionary, but in completely different ways. Yeah. So the Amazing Spider-Man came out in 2012 and it was very grimdark, for yeah. lack of a better word. It was like dark, green, realistic. And to a certain extent, I prefer that in some ways. But it does, not all of it works for Spider-Man. And the same way is the exact same thing as what they did with Superman with Man of Steel. Is they basically they saw the Dark Knight and they tried to replicate that philosophy. They thought, right, people like that. People like dark and gritty and grounded and realistic superheroes. Let's make that. But at the expense of like they do a disservice to the character and don't do what's great about that character. Yeah. With both Spider Man and Superman. Um and then what's really funny is that within the same franchise so by the time you get to the amazing spider-man 2 it's again reactionary but in a completely different way because now by the time you get to 2014 they're going right everyone likes big bright colors and and huge action set pieces and, and like low, as many characters as we can get in and also they love interconnectivity they love big franchises with lots of different like hints at things to come so we're going to pack in as many hints and things as we possibly can and we're going to set up those different origin stories because that's what people like make that and it's like just completely in as a response to what was going on at the time in Marvel, which was the Avengers slowly and, laying the foundation and the foundation and, and laying little seeds and putting little hints about movies yet to come and all that sort of thing, which Marvel have done great. Sony then tried to do the same thing with Amazing Spider-Man two, and it fell flat on its face. Yeah, and it just completely like oh. it's it, Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man two did exactly what Spider-Man three did to the Raimi trilogy. Yeah. It took all the goodwill you had from the first one. Like, you go, watch the first one, you go, actually, you know what? There are things I don't like about it, but I really like the cast, and they've got the origin story out of the way. Let's go. Obviously, I was excited for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. The second I, that I saw that costume... Yes. Oh, my God, the costume. The costume for Amazing Spider-Man 2 is still probably the best costume they've ever done. Arguably. Um, yeah, I, I mean, really like the... The Civil War, yeah, the first sort of Stark Tech one, yeah, well, that's the main one he uses in um, Homecoming, uh, yeah, Homecoming as well. I think the only, the big thing with that is that it has the expressive eyes. Yeah, I wish they could have, if they could have incorporated that into the Garfield suit for two, that would have been amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's Although, the thing. Yeah. It's like the costume in it is brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. It moves in the way, and everything that the way that you see. Him be Spider-Man yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is perfect. Like the opening swinging bit yeah. is fucking phenomenal. The opening and the end. Yeah. The opening, the end. But even that, there's even within that, there's a there's a montage mm-hmm. of him being Spider-Man. Because basically, they... 
again, there's so many fucking... So the, the plot threads in this one. So not only do you have Peter's parents as a plot thread, the other thing is that you have this whole thing with Gwen Stacy and her dad. So her dad was in the first one, played by Dennis Leary, and he was great as yeah. Captain Stacy. And then he dies at the end of the first one, and he makes Peter promise not to be with Gwen. Yes. Which then leads to, again, a really great scene at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 1, where they're in the rain, and she, he didn't come to the funeral, and she's wondering where he was, and he has to say, look, I can't be with you anymore. Yeah. And it reminds me of the end of 1, where he's giving up his life because he has a responsibility to be in Spider-Man. Yeah. But then they immediately walk it back. <laughs> yeah. Because he then says promises you can't keep those are the best kind and amazing spider-man 2 opens with him being with gwen yeah it's like fuck's sake well that just means the whole thing's pointless anyway well i mean but with what happens in two yes it it takes that sort of what if moment from the raimi trilogy and shows you exactly what could go wrong exactly that's why it's such a frustration for me because it is like this one-two punch it goes right Captain Stacy died because he tried to help you. You should feel guilty about that. He asked you not to be with his daughter because he was worried something could happen to her. Yeah. And then in the next one, she dies. Yeah. Because you weren't able to save her. Mm-hmm. And that should be an absolutely devastating like one-two punch of like a formative thing for him as a character moving into it. But because they just fucked it up so badly and tried to do so many other things on the time, we never got to see that carried forward. No. And it just ended. Because they just fucked up and they put like fucking Paul Giamatti's Rhino, which was oh, just fucking awful. They had abysmal again, even like they Harry Osborne. Pick your origin story. Oh yeah, they had the, the, so everything in these movies comes from Oscorp. Mm-hmm. So it means that they literally have a dungeon in Oscorp where they have all the different or the villains' tech in the background. They have like the vultures, vultures' wings. wings. They have Doc Ock's arms, and they can literally just roll up, roll up, get your origin story. Yeah. Um, they bring in Harry Osborne in this one. That's a fucking waste. It is a waste because it, it starts off like I quite like it. His first few scenes I quite like. So when he's in the E, basically meets his dad, who's played by Chris Cooper. Yeah, and this is a new version of Harry Osborne played by Dane DeHaan, and he basically finds out his dad ha- dies because he's got some sort of disease, which again is something they actually set up in the first one. It yeah. is a plot thread that they carry through. His dad dies, leaves him the. Oscorp fortune and there's this, there is what I think is quite a good scene where he's in the boardroom with all the executives mm. and he's like you guys are a bunch of assholes. like did you not think about having him declared legally incompetent yeah like what the fuck and then he's oh and then we we delete we got rid of all the um, research to do with genetics because of the Dr. Connors incident and he goes oh what you mean people are pissed off because he tried to turn the entire city into lizards but yeah <laughs> but like that's why like he's like this arrogant like yuppie sort of fuck you rich boy and he I prefer Dane DeHaan's version of Harry Osborne to start yeah. with and then things get fucking <sighs> stupid the, and then they have that really great scene where him and Peter are reunited that's a great scene and they just they're really Again, awkward to start Dane with Dane DeHaan Andrew Garfield they've yeah. got great chemistry and they're just they're really awkward to start with they have this backstory where they were friends until he was about 11 years old and then Harry got shipped off to boarding school yeah, and they're just like so. Peter sees on the news that his dad died, goes to comfort him, and says, "You were my friend. You were around for me when my parents left. Yeah, I wanted to be there for you. Okay, cool. All right." And it was like it's really awkward. They're really sort of standoffish, and then Peter goes to leave, and then 
another great little bit. Harry cracks a joke at his expense, starts yeah. taking the piss out of him again. He goes, oh, you got your braces off. Well, there's nothing left to distract from your unibrow now. <laughs> and it's like, ah. Oh. And then they just click back into that thing of taking the... Like when friends take the piss out of each other a little bit. Yeah. And it just and that their relationship in that one scene feels more real to me as a friendship than anything between Peter, between Tom Maguire and James Franco. Yeah. Those two, it was literally just a case of they just kept calling each other buddy and pal. Yeah. It was it was like um Hey buddy, hey, bu- hey come, friend. Come on, pal, hey, we can do pal. it. Hey pal, you're my best friend. You're my best friend, Peter. It, it reminded me of like um Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's like, you're like a father to me. They just keep saying that, but they don't yeah. show it. Yeah, <laughs> like, show it. Come on now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, and then it just devolves into this really stupid plot about how Harry can only be saved by Spider-Man's blood, and there's oh. a whole fucking thing. And then the worst, again, they do this other... It's so weird how much they parallel one another, Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2, because they do this retcon, which destroys the character <laughs> with Richard Parker. Yeah. So they have this whole thing where Richard Parker, Peter's dad, genetically engineered the spiders as part of this experiment on like genetic, you know, mutation or whatever, and he put some human DNA in there. Yeah. And he used his DNA. Yeah. Which means that the spider venom or the human spider hybrid theory can only work if it's part of his bloodline. Yeah. So basically, long story short, it means that by being bit by the spider, Peter can turn into Spider-Man, but it would only work for him. Yeah. Because he is Richard Parker's son. Yeah. If anyone else got bit by the spider, although Harry injects himself with the spider venom and he becomes Green Goblin. Yeah. And what that means is, that means Peter is like the chosen one. It can only be him, which is the exact opposite of the point of the fucking character of Spider-Man. Yeah. The character of Spider-Man is that anyone can be Spider-Man. Yeah, anyone could. Anyone could have been bitten by a spider and then given these powers, and what would you do? That was the purpose of the costume being completely covered up. Yeah. That was the point of him being a kid. Yeah. That was the point of everything about it was that he could be, that he was the everyman. Yeah. Because he wasn't the billionaire Bruce Wayne. He wasn't the alien from fucking Kryptonite. He wasn't the guy that was found in the ice 70 years ago. Uh, was frozen nice 70 years ago. No. He's not the guy, the billionaire Stark. Yeah. He's Peter Parker, who grew up in Queens and lives in an apartment, can't really afford and has to work two jobs and do this and do this. But not even that, like, even He's, expanding it, it's, it's even just, expanding it out from Peter Parker, like, watch the Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. The point of Into the Spider-Verse is that anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. Because it, Miles is just a kid who got bit by a spider. Yeah. And that's it. Whereas, I don't know, it can't, if, if that... Spider a bit miles, nothing would have happened because his dad wasn't a super secret scientist who put his DNA or in a he, spider. Or it, it would have, but it would have turned him evil. It would have turned him into the Green Goblin from the crackhead Green Goblin Spider Man. Yeah, the meth meth goblin, meth egg goblin. Um, and it's yeah, it's just it's silly, and it's it's and it's silly for the, in in the sense that it takes like something that would be established in comic book lore. And makes it dumb, yeah. By going, oh, it doesn't matter. It's all comic book stuff. It's stupid anyway. Yeah. By by not understanding <clears throat> these things and putting in and relying on the chemistry between Stone and Garfield, which again is great. I mean, they're great. They're, again, they're brilliant. They're brilliant to watch, but just like because one of the things that I'll say about like in Homecoming, I don't think there is anyone like. Obviously, like, Jacob Batalon and um, Tom Holland are friends in real life and 
Zendaya is friends with Tom Holland and Jacob Adler, and they're all buddies, but they don't have the same chemistry. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe like, not. Maybe that's what we'll see in Far From Home, but they don't have the same chemistry that's just immediate. From the minute you look at them, you're like, those people need to be together. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to be together. I oh, know they are. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, but then again, that's it's such a shame because it should be so heartbreaking when what happens happens. And to a extent, it is. It like, is. It's the way that Garfield sells it. Oh, yeah. It's brilliantly well acted, but because everything that's come before it has been this fucking convoluted mess mm-hmm. with five different plot lines going on, it sort of lessens it. Yeah. And like, if they hadn't... Spent, like, they spend a load of time with fucking Jamie Foxx's Electro, which the less said about that oh. character, the better, because that was just a fucking... Like, like what? <laughs> what? The- when I When I first heard that they had Jamie Foxx, I was really excited. Like he's an Oscar-winning actor. Like he, he was, was coming off the back of Ray. Yeah. into this was he? Was Pretty he? Not, much. When was Django? Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna look up when that was. I think it might have been around the same time as Django. But yeah, and that's the thing. Like Jamie Fox at the time was like one of the world's biggest actors. Yeah, I remember. Like, because first of all, I was excited for Amazing Spider-Man Two because I thought, right, I like this Spider-Man. They've got the origin story out of the way. Crack on. And then they go, and then the first thing you hear about it, oh, they've cast Jamie Foxx as the villain, and they're doing Electro, which is going to be a visually cool to look at, spectacular thing. And it's a character we haven't seen before. Like, oh, awesome! And then the he starts, and it's like, what the fuck are they doing? They've got this. He's got a weird comb over. He's trying to be this weird nerd. They have this horrible scene where he's talking to himself, or he's talk, He's trying to have a conversation with Spider Man with himself. Yeah. And he's got, like, all this paraphernalia of Spider-Man stuck up all over the walls. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? BJ Novak's in this. Oh, yeah, Smythe. They set up Smythe. They set up um, Felicia Hardy. Yeah. Who's... who's, um, Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. They set up the Sinister Six. Yep. They introduced Rhino. Because, again... like They introduced the Rhino in quite an interesting way. Because they bring in Alexei Setsovich... At the start, as Paul Giamatti, which is like, okay, it's <clears throat> it wasn't done well at the start. When it gets to the end, it's a bit better because he's in the big mech suit. Yeah, but then he ruins it by going, I am the rhino. Exactly, yeah, and that's a fucking silly line. But like that, I stand by it. If I could have a whole film, the last bit of Spider-Man, yeah. of the Amazing I mean, the, Spider-Man. That's what I mean, yeah. So, sorry, I think I went off on a tangent, but... There's the bit where so there's a point where he basically gives up Gwen. Yeah. Towards the beginning, he says to her, "Look, I keep having these flashes of Captain Stacy and feeling guilty about it." And he, you know, breaks up with her, or she breaks up with him, I should say, because she's sick of him flip flopping. And to me, that kind of should have been it. They kind of left it at that, and then maybe got her back in towards the end, and then the tragedy of her dying. But oh shit, what was I going to say? But, but saying, but hold on, but saying about that. Like, they could have worked that in. They could have had her absent for a part of the movie and then have her bring back, brought back, because... She understands. Harry... No, not even that. that Harry had seen them before. Yeah. And didn't wasn't aware that they'd broken up because he was too busy being of his own stuff. Yeah. And then she dies. Yeah. And Peter has the realisation that even if somebody's not with him... Yeah. Then this could still happen. Yeah. It'd still be a problem. The issue that I've, I do have is that... It, the the death of Gwen Stacy is this really powerful thing in the comics, and it is equally in this, but it's so quickly washed over. Yeah, and they're I mean, like, I mean, she's I mean, dead, she's dead, she's dead. 
I'm still going to be Spider-Man, though, which is, again, in the comics, he maintains being Spider-Man because it's his responsibility to do so. Yeah. But, I and yeah, I think there are certain things because it all links into, again, the, the point that happens when he gives up being with her, he sort of throws himself into being Spider-Man and there's more sightings of him and all the rest of it. There's that great little montage and there's a bit where with the little kid yeah. and the wind turbine. Yeah. Love that bit. I love any interactions that his Spider-Man has with kids. Like the same in the first one, the one of the best scenes is the scene on the bridge. Yeah. Where he's got the the kids freaking out and he goes, look, put the mask on because anyone can be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, and then they get to the end, and like you say, they have this thing where you know she's died and he's stood by her grave for all this long time. But what I do like, and what I feel like is his turning point for where he turns around, is he has that conversation with May, and May talks about how she's she's got a box full of Ben's old stuff, and she's going to put it away. And he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're throwing his stuff away? She goes, no, I couldn't do that. Mm. But I'm going to find a better place for it. Yeah. And so you don't... You never forget people that you lose, but you just have you have to find a way to put it to a side, yeah, and get on with your life. And I really like that. I like that as a that genuinely feels like an honest, you know, relationship between an aunt and and a surrogate son. Yeah, surrogate son talking about um, grief, how to move on from grief. Yeah, and I do, and like it's stuff like that. That I, again, I really like their relationship in these movies with mm. um, Sally Fields, Aunt May. Like, there's another, there's a great little bit in the first one as well where he comes back after the fight from Oscorp and he's all battered and bruised and he's had like a fucking horrible night and he looks shattered and she just looks at him and he's like, and no one says anything, she doesn't say anything. Mm. And he just like slowly takes his bag off his back and just pulls out, he's remembered to get the eggs that she asked for. And then she, and then they just hug and say, yeah. oh, I've had a really long night. And that just feels really genuine. I really yeah. like that. And again, not to bang on about it too much, but one more scene that I do like is he's banging on about his parents. On and on and on about his parents. And she goes, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm the one who's putting you through college. I'm the one who's taking night classes to be a, a nurse with 22-year-olds yeah. because I'm non-scientific. I'm not smart like your aunt, your father. And here you are daydreaming about your perfect father who left you on our doorstep and couldn't give a shit about you. Yeah, And like that's like fuck hang on this just got real this just got like a proper like family drama yeah and I thought like give me that any day over I believe there's a hero in all of us <laughs> who allows us to die with pride sometimes we even have to give up our dreams Spider-Man did that for Henry how the fuck do you know that aren't they how do you know what Spider-Man gave up he could be a fucking playboy half the time he could be having a great life he maybe, maybe he didn't give up anything I'll tell you what, it's almost like you read the script, isn't it? It's almost like you read the script and you were told to verbalise exactly what's going on <laughs> with this character that you're looking at. And it's almost like no one would ever say these things because it couldn't possibly pertain to any information they actually had in real life. But you're going to say it anyway, aren't you? Cut the bullshit. Well, that's the thing because it's, it's one of those... I always interpreted that as Aunt May being like, I'm not going to tell you that I know. I wish that was it. I wish that was it. Like, but that's that's how it always sort of stuck with me. And I was like, I'm going to keep that in my head. I don't want to know any more about it. Because at that point, I'm like, there's at least a small part of her that knows. Yeah. I wish I wish they played that up. And like, again, there were so many missed opportunities. Like, they got close to having that sort of family drama stuff in um, Toby Maguire's version. There's that great scene where he confesses yeah. about what happened to Uncle Ben. 
and Aunt May is just shocked and then just walks away. Yeah. But then when he goes to see her again after that, she just goes, oh, it's water, pish bosh, we needn't talk about it, it's water under the bridge. I love you, I thank you. And then hugs him. I'm like, that is nice, but it's not real. But yeah, and she would take it would take some time, yeah, for that for someone to get over that. And that's what I mean when I say they're like saints. Yeah, they're not real people. If you found out that he was in any way responsible for it after you, she felt responsibility for it. It would take you a lot. There would be some more yeah. difficult conversations between them. But I feel like the all right is like we don't have time for difficult conversations. But also, like, it is one of those things where I think. Like, I've done it myself. I've built stuff up in my head that has just been so much worse in my mind. And then I've told someone, and their reaction has been almost what I've expected. Then you go back and you're like, listen. And then they're like, listen, I've dealt with it. I'm over it. And it was bigger to you than it ever was to them. Yeah, I guess so. But this, And it's, yeah. the, it's your own burden of guilt. Yeah. And it's that's the thing. And I think... May is comfortable with the fact because we've seen that she's religious and she has, you know, she she does have her own faith and that when she gets to that, she's... The point is, is that Peter's still there and that she understands that, yeah, if he'd have done something slightly wrong, but at the same time, in the comics, it's, it's another thing that's come up in the comics as well, that she's aware of that situation that happened that night. Mm. and they But they have a more in-depth discussion around it. Yeah, I think it deserved it. I think it, it deserved a series of conversations or whatever, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it, but they it, sort of quickly swift over it. Yeah, and, and then that's the disappointment to me. I feel yeah. like they sh- that, could, that should have been the source for some genuinely good drama. Yeah, and but, it was in one, and then they had a couple of moments in two. But the problem with two is, like, I just it's just so many... There are a couple of great set pieces. I just don't remember it. What are we talking about? Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, it's nice. just yeah, and like I say there are, there are some amazing parts in it. I love anything to do with Spider-Man and the public. Yeah, it's great. Like I, there's like half that scene in the the Times Square scene when he's trying to talk Max down, is great. And then he has the bit where he's like he's working with the NYPD and the and the fire department. Yeah, that bit where he he takes him down. He's got the hat on. He's got the little. It's like a little like he's just. But he remembers the firemen's names. Yeah, and gives him a high five. Yeah, it's a big John. Tsh, tsh, pleasure doing business with you, lads. And she's like, I love it. I love that cocky Spider-Man who's like man of the people. Sort yeah, of thing. I love that's that. What Spider- and that's one of the things that Andrew Garfield got down perfectly. Yeah, I love was it. Was that the the difference in persona between Peter Parker in and out of the costume? When mm. he's Spider-Man and he's in the costume, he's quippy and he's silly and he can say what he wants to people because he's under the costume. Yeah, and he's Spider-Man at that point. Yeah. And he has a there is a big differentiation between like the Peter Parker and Spider Man sort of persona is that in the real world Peter is this guy that's that's smart and intelligent and does this, but when he gets nervous and this is like an established thing, when Pete gets nervous and when his adrenaline gets up, he just starts talking. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about him is that he just points out stupid things and makes bad jokes yeah. and just cut his mouth just runs away with him. It's like that amazing shot where he jumps in and and catches the cop car. Yeah, and he just says to the cop, "I'm so glad you're not one of those cops who rides one of the horse." Yeah, and he flips it back over and is like, "I love it. I love yeah. little bits like that." And it's just that's what's so frustrating. That's the thing that nailed it. The yeah. way that, he, like you say, when he talks to the kid at the end and he's yeah. talking to the uh, the other kid about the it's the same kid, the little yeah. It's the same kid. So he get, there's a kid being bullied and he's got a little wind turbine and he goes, 
did you make this? Yeah. That's amazing. And then he, like, it's implied that he then walks him to school. Yeah. So what's your name? My name's, you know, I can't remember, Owen or whatever. I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. And at the end, he's the same little kid who's dressed as Spider-Man. Yeah. Because anyone can be Spider-Man. And he's standing up against the rhino and he goes, hey, Spider-Man, mind if I cut in? And he calls him Spider-Man. Yeah. And he says, this is great. You look after your mum. I'm going to go and deal with this arsehole. Yeah. And it's a great ending and it's just like, oh God, it I is wish, brilliant. I want to see but more. But they just fucked up the middle. I want to see more. They just fucked up everything going into it. And so, yeah, yeah basically, it fucked up. And then but, it killed the franchise. And it killed the franchise. But then also, I feel like they were going to plough on. They did have plans. For, well, they were, but Andrew Garfield walked away. Yes. So what happened, the, the story goes that there was an event in Brazil for with Sony and some big head honcho from Sony was over from Japan. And he was going to give a conference speech during which he was going to announce Andrew Garfield as the star of Amazing Spider-Man 3 and give a release date. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield was there. He'd flown in from um, Brazil. But then he basically just said because of jet lag, he didn't want to go. So well, it was jet lag and some other sort some of other, political things. Yeah. So he didn't go. Yeah. And then that was like a slight on the blow. And then that was when they just went, right, well, he couldn't recover from that, basically. And they pulled yeah. the plug on it. And that was the end of that. But they were got like the apparently there was one plot and Dennis Leary has talked about this in an interview that the idea of what they were going to do in three was that there was going to be some sort of serum or some sort of method that he found scientifically for him to bring back the people who had died. Clone saga. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going to bring back. Yeah, it would have been the jackal with the clone saga, yeah. which is hilarious actually. I never knew that, but the clone saga is widely known within the comic book world as being one of the worst things to ever happen to the Spider-Man franchise because it went on for fucking years and it was pointless and complicated. Nobody understood. And like like you say, Gwen, Captain, like Captain Stacy came back, Gwen came back, fucking everyone came back. Yeah. But then on top of that, they were also, so they were planning on doing that and they were also planning on doing the Sinister Six. Yeah, and they were also planning on doing like a Black Cat spin-off movie. With... And they were going to do a Sinister Six movie. Yeah, <laughs> but then they were going to do a Black Cat movie. But then they were going to do. They're, apparently, they're still doing a Silver Sable and Black Cat. Movie. That's the thing. Is that not some of this is this is all only 2014 we're talking when this happened. Yeah. So in a very short period of time. Yeah. Relatively speaking, we've got to this point now where so some of these things are still happening to a point where we saw Venom came out last year, and that is part of that's a Sony-owned character completely yep. separate from the Marvel franchise at large. Um, because basically what then happened in a move that no one saw coming, we all sort of speculated about this and wanted it for years. We wanted Spider-Man to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I remember when The Amazing Spider-Man came out, I had this like pipe dream in my head. I was like, God, can you imagine like the, the post credit scene where he's got that he's got that little house in Queens where they had the scene on the um steps with him and Gwen mm. and then the post credit scene is just knock 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 and it's Tony and Cap yeah. there to talk to him and it's Andrew Garfield I was like oh, what if it's that and they were almost gonna they were gonna put Oscorp Tower which is like the big like focal point of yeah. one they were gonna put that in the skyline of the Avengers in the first Avengers movie which came out the same year so you're gonna have Avengers Tower and Oscorp so like there were rumblings about this whole idea to start with but then they made the announcement after Andrew Garfield was moved on that yes, Spider-Man was going to come to the MCU. And we were all very excited. We were very excited. Um, and then they introduced this little man called Tom Holland. And then Tom Holland um, rocked up. in. So he turned up first in Captain America Civil War. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember seeing it in the trailer. They had that amazing it was shot. The ending shot of the trailer yeah. was Spider-Man landing. Holding Cap Shield. Holding Cap Shield and saying, hey, everyone. And that was it. Were you like, could you not move? I was beside myself. Like getting Spider-Man, like a Spider-Man like that, with the Ditko eyes, and in like a costume that's so close to being like the Spider-Man costume. Yeah. Not the ultimate one like we saw in Amazing 2. Not the weird bobsleigh one that we saw in Amazing 1. Not the weird 3D one that we saw in the Raimi trilogy. But the Spider-Man suit. Yeah. And I just remember, like, even in the, mo- in the movie itself, because they kept it all under wraps, or a lot of it, apart from that one shot, it was all about Tony and Cap. Yeah, but they've removed him from scenes. Well, not even that. Well, he was added. He was added in, and you can tell that a little bit in Civil War. There's a lot of because he's a CG character. Yeah, Um, you can tell there's just a gap there where they just filled him in later. But I remember just when it cut to the title saying Queens, and then you went in and you had Tony Stark meeting Peter Parker, and the fact that they're actually using those words is like, oh, Mr. Parker says Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I'm just like, like. I remember sitting there watching it and just, I can't believe this is happening. No. This is like a fanfic thing that we've all been thinking about for years. And this actually is happening in front of my eyes right now. And then <laughs> they have this, they have a great, there's a great way of setting up this new Spider-Man. They have the, the conversation in with Tony and Peter in his bedroom talking about why, what's his MO, basically. They talk about why do you do it? And he says, I've got to look out for the little guy. And he does do a kind of a weird version of the great Really power. long-winded version of it. When bad things happen, but you don't stop them, they happen because of you, or something along those yeah. lines. It frustrates me that they feel they can't say it. And the other thing that frustrates yeah. me is that I feel like, and this one major criticism that a lot of people have around this new version of Spider-Man is that they don't mention Uncle Ben at all. No. I completely understand why. Because yeah. it's been done twice in these last two versions and it's been done to death. People are fucking sick of it. They don't want to see him get bit by a spider. They don't want to see his uncle die. No. Fine. But I do feel like they should at least mention him. They should at least, like... Yeah. I, I feel like that scene, he should have said something along the lines of, you know, we lost my uncle recently and he always taught me that if you could do good things for people, you should do it. Isn't or there a line in no, Homecoming? Well, in Homecoming, all he said, like, the the closest they get to ever acknowledging it is that Ned is like, why don't you tell your aunt that you're Spider-Man? Because I can't, not with everything that's going on with her right now, I couldn't do yeah. that. And then there's the thing where she freaks out when she can't get hold of She's him. Like, yeah. Like, I called five different police precincts and hospitals trying to get hold of you. Yeah. You can't do that. And so little things like that, us knowing the history. Yeah means that we can infer that yeah ben died not yeah, long ago but they're not wasting time no treading old ground that they're not knew. but i just i do feel that like he would yeah like i say a line along the lines of my uncle taught me that i should or something like even if it's just that yeah that's it i feel it should be better because what they have done is they've sort of set up tony stark as being the new mentor figure who guides him and tells him the kind of person he wants to be yeah um which is great to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, well, I think moving into Homecoming, I guess then. I fucking love Homecoming. <laughs> I love Homecoming so much. It's first thing they get right is the high school and the kids. Yeah. 
there are, even though Tom Holland, I think at this point is like twenty three or twenty two. Well, he is now. He was like twenty one at the yeah, time. He looks so young. Yeah. He look when he when he says to Tony Stark, "I'm 15, Yeah. You don't immediately spit. You go, <laughs> okay, yeah, he could be fifteen. Yeah. Whereas like the earlier movie when, when uh, uh, Emma Stone, honestly, Dad, I'm seventeen years old. You just like spit your drink and go, <laughs> fuck off, are you? Love you us. were seventeen years ago, years old when you did super, super bad. Yeah, that was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. You can't keep playing the same age no. for ten years. Like uh, anyway, but yeah, Tom, like he feels like a fifteen year old. All the kids, the way they interact with one another, the way they sort of take the piss out of each other, mm-hmm. is just great. Like I said, I know you said like the the chemistry of. Garfield and Stone isn't quite there yet, I don't think. But they, as an ensemble, I think they can they achieve oh, that. Oh, sorry, Zendaya and Holland. No, I mean, with certain, you said like the the there isn't one relationship in amongst the new kids. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that snaps in the way that they do. No. But I feel like when they're all together as an ensemble, that's when it works really yeah, well. Yeah, I think they've got great chemistry as like a big group all yeah. together. So when Flash is there and Zendaya and Tom and yeah. um. Jacob, what's his name? Batalon. Yeah. When they're all there and they're all like the um yeah, the scene where he's saying he can't go to the on the dicathlon, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, make the catalog. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I can't go either. I've got a hot day with Black Widow. And so like, Bing, that is false. Yeah. What I tell you about using the pill for comedic purposes. And like that's when it's all fire and all cylinders. I love yeah. it. Um but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I still have issues with Homecoming. Like, I dislike all of the... I dislike all of the stuff in the suit, where it's like, oh, he's got this and this and this. There is a point where it gets a little bit tedious, and you're like, we get it. But then there's a moment when it pays off later, when he has to go back to his, like, inverted colour Scarlet Spider costume. Yeah, that's what I like is that. And we kind of, we knew that was coming. Like, we talked about that when the trailers were coming and stuff. We were like, he's going to get the suit taken away from him and then he's going to have to go back to the old PJ suit. And then, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. I feel like it works because of stuff like that because yeah. they go, right, if you can't do it in a pair of sweatpants, then you can't do it. And he yeah. does. And, he, and like, it's little things like the stuff like the web fluid yeah. was his. Yeah, like Tony talks about that in the first scene. He's like, "I think this web fluid is amazing." Who who designed that? He goes, "I did." Yeah. If Tony Stark had given him his web fluid as well, that would have been way too. That would have been too much. Yeah. That would have been a like, portrayal of a character. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you see it in. That's one of the things that I dislike about um, the amazing films, is that his web fluid is just something that he pinched from Oscorp. Yeah, because everything is something from Oscorp. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Is yeah. it's like. So how how does he keep getting it? Is he oh, just breaking in and getting more each time? No, I think or is he, he ordered the giant. Is he making box of it? it? Is he gonna yeah? He's gonna buy a box. Like, of a, it. a single pelt can hold five thousand meters off the loot. I was like, wait a minute. So literally, even the cartridges that he loads in are pre-made for him. Although he did, he doesn't. Well, yeah, you see him making the web shooters. Yeah, he does make the web shooters, and he does like get them to work and all the rest. And yeah. that's something they do do better in because in obviously in the original Raimi movies. Quite controversially, it's organic, organic, yeah, which is just icky and weird. Um, but one thing they do okay, they changed the the comics, yeah, to make it fit. It's gross. He talks about having to eat lots of protein. Oh, god. Um, but yeah, in the amazing movies, they do get a little bit into the ingenuity and like the sort of of Peter Parker. Like, I like that, um, lock he has on his door that's on a remote control, yeah, little things like that are cool, yeah. Um, and Tom Holland's got a bit of that as well. Like when he's um, he has to break himself out of the vault 
Yeah. And he like just has a calculator and just breaks into it and figures He's out how to... literally going through it one code after the next. But then later in the movie, he doesn't know how to turn on the um, lights, on, uh, yeah. the headlights on a car. So they kind of... Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's another throwback to the comics, is that Pete got to... There's a point in one of the comics where he he's depowered mm. and he's following someone and someone's like get in the car and he's like i don't know how to drive and they're like you're 30 years old and you don't know how to drive he's like i've been web swinging across new york for 15 years why the fuck would why I would i need to drive <laughs> yes yeah, so that is very true but yeah okay um but yeah i mean there's so much i love about homecoming um but i feel like fundamentally is the fact that they get the character right as far as i'm concerned they get the character right in that universe i think is better i guess so because some of the stuff that they have is vastly out there and it's like aunt may is very very much younger and different yeah and they don't live in this quaint little house in queens they live in a big apartment block and then they do this and they do that and like there's lots of stuff that's in there differently, but it fits so well in the universe. It does, but I feel like, yeah, for me... I don't think it would have worked on its own if it had just come out without the MCU know. around it. I don't know, like, yeah, because to me it's like, it's... It, it speaks to him being a hero and the, the what makes him a hero. Uh, because I think what... Another sort of criticism I have of the earlier movies, particularly the Tobey Maguire movies, is that Spider-Man is very much reactionary. Yeah. When things happen around him, and then he has to swing into action, like his girlfriend get, gets kidnapped again, or yeah. at one point he's on his way to Mary Jane's play, and then he literally just gets run over by a car, and then has to be Spider-Man again. Whereas what I love about Tom Holland and, and um, Homecoming is that he seek he actively seeks out the bad guy, yeah, and he makes that as every time he does it, they make a point of saying how he's making a sacrifice. Yeah, so there's the point where he's at Lizzie's party, and he could swing in there and be Spider-Man. And like and have a big party piece and, and do something that would make him feel good, yeah. But then he sees something, uh, an explosion, and he decides to go and help. Yeah. And again, he has another thing when they're in DC. They're like, all the kids are just hanging out at the pool, and she's like, "Why don't you come down and just put a pair of trunks on, and come hang out in the pool, be a teenager? It's fine." Yeah. But no, because he has the responsibility, and it's all. It's not because he's worried about his aunt or he's worried about it's because there is some people out there who are dealing in dangerous weapons that he doesn't want on the street yeah because he feels that that's his responsibility and he chooses to not have a life of his own and not be a teenager and just have fun yeah and instead goes and does the right thing yeah and again obviously the big one being at the end with the the dance he mm-hmm. has a choice whether or not to go after Liz's dad who just threatened to kill him and everyone he loved yeah or just have a dance and forget about it. Yeah. And again, he chooses to do that. And that, to me, is why it sort of... I do feel like it could stand on its own. I do feel yeah. like it, it has an arc and it has a... It's a good hero story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's as good as it is because everything that's built around it and because we've gotten to that point where this is a world where we're accepting of differences. Mm. I think if this film had come out on its own, people would have been like, they're changing it again. I guess but so. because it fit within a pre-existing franchise where you were okay with stuff like Cap's costume's a bit different, Iron Man's a bit different, this is a bit different, this is a bit different. Like We're changing things for the better. We've taken out the great stuff, but we're going to smooth over some of the cracks oh, so and we're going to work right, on yeah. it a bit more. It's Yeah, it's the MCUing of yeah. things. They, they make things like, yeah, this is how it fits into this modern universe. And But then those are things that like... 
to my mind, I feel that like things that I push against in the Raimi movies and stuff because yeah. they don't feel real because they're too like in real life. No one would talk like that. Or no one would. No, they wouldn't live in a house like that. They wouldn't do. That. And so it feels we've like had this, this removed comic book gradual world. escalation into the comic book world of the Raimi of of the MCU. Yeah. So if we'd have gone from nothing to alien invasion technology, yeah. We'd have been like, what the fuck? How did we get oh, here? Yeah, that's true. Because uh, uh, one, the other thing I'll say about it is, like you say, the, the, the whole plot, the bad guy plot of Homecoming is about the alien technology that came from the yeah. Chitauri invasion from the original Avengers movie. And so what that means is for casual viewers, for people who just like the character of Spider-Man, yeah. and want to go and see the new Spider-Man, the opening of the movie just immediately alienates you yeah. and makes you go, what the fuck's going on? I don't like it. Like, again, I think of my brother. Hello, yeah. Joe, if you listen. <laughs> I feel like if he's just decided to put this on, it's on Netflix at the moment, Homecoming, and it starts, and it's just, and there's just a giant slug, space slug, and Michael Keaton's there, and they're talking about, yeah. these alien bastards are tough, you've got to use the stuff. I'm like, is this a Spider Man movie? What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like, you'd just be confused. That's I'm like, what I'm so saying. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But yeah, but I, we, I really enjoy it. Like, I really enjoy the way that they've, like, brought in Victor Tombs. As the vulture, and I think, yeah, they brought that's in the... Matt Gargan, and they brought in they brought in these things to seed the world. Yeah, they haven't directly thrown it in, being like, "Here's an origin, here's an origin, here's yeah. an origin, here's an origin." And I do. And there's another thing that I love, and I think is works perfectly self-contained within Homecoming as a movie on its own, is uh, Michael Keaton's tombs as a yeah. character. Fucking brilliant because he's he's a like menacing bad mm-hmm. guy throughout, and then they have that brilliant twist with no one saw coming. On. I just remember the being in the movie and going, "Oh shit!" And everyone was like that. Yeah, and to be in that point where the sixth Spider-Man movie can make can surprise you. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like is bravo. Yeah, and again, it's because they've changed things from the comic book. Yeah, and Even, they have. They've changed things up. Well, well, they haven't, and they have in a way. So this is one of the conversations that with uh, another friend of ours, Dan, who was saying about, oh, yeah, but they bought in Betty, Ned, and Liz. Yeah. But if you look, what they've done is they brought in Betty, Ned, and Lee, um, Liz, but they haven't brought in Betty Brandt, Liz Allen, and Ned Leeds. Well, the Betty they is brought, Betty Brandt. No. no. It says her name on the, on the TV Well, thing. Ned and Liz aren't. Liz, it's not Liz Allen or Ned Leeds. No. They're... Liz and Ned, yeah, well, they've okay. not done. They've not done that. They're, they're, so they were really careful about that, yeah. Because Ned Leeds, spoiler alert, becomes a hobgoblin, a hobgoblin, one of them, and Liz Allen goes on to do lots of other things. But what they cleverly did here was by not giving her a surname in like the IMDb stuff, they could make out that she was Liz Toomes, and will be moving away at the end of the film to go yeah. somewhere else and potentially be introduced to Liz Allen another time. Yeah. And that's the thing. And again, that's the essential thing for me is that at the end of this movie, it reflects what I like about the first movie is that because of Peter's choice to be Spider-Man, he loses out in his yeah. life, his real life. Because he's been sort of pining after Liz this whole time. Not in a creepy, like, over-the-top way. No, like the, but like, genuinely quite a sweet way. Yeah, it's a sweet high school crush. And then he and because of what he did as Spider-Man, he's now probably never going to see her again. Yeah. And that's like, oh, that's gutting, isn't it? And, yeah. th- and that is him dealing with the you know, the consequences of being Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and that's Wrong that, result from the right decision. Yeah, and that's something that goes throughout the whole movie. Like, the situation that happens in um, DC is his fault. 
yeah. because he gave Ned a bloody bomb. Um, he, the situation on the boat is his fault, and that's and it's like, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. I've given you this suit, which gives you great power, and you're not using it responsibly. So I'm yeah. going to take it back off you. Yeah, and then he and then he comes back out and does it in the crap suit. And, and there's a great that great moment that everyone talks about with the um when he's trapped under the rocks under yeah. the building and that's yeah. just pure it's spider-man just, it's the perfect moment it's, perfect. i mean it's taken from the comics anyway yeah but when why you know it yeah. ain't broke exactly and I mean? it works so well and the the dynamicism that you get from the artwork in the comics is reflected literally and literally literally in a film yeah and then you see the way that he pushes it off and he does it through being on his own and his own self-belief and his self-control and yeah. his power. I am Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's what I love is like he, he will do whatever he needs to do and use the tools around him to get the results. So like, I like there's a contrast even with the tracking of tombs. So yeah. at one point he uses his little tracker that it, Tony Stark built into. It's like, mm-hmm. oh great, it makes it easy, doesn't it? And you've got a little heads up display. That, yeah. yeah. Later on in the movie, he doesn't have that anymore, but he still needs to track someone. So what does he do? He leaves his phone in the car yeah. and then gets Ned to track it for him because he's got a tracker on it. Yeah. Because he's smart and he's Spider-Man and he'll do whatever he needs to do. Yeah. He doesn't need a high-tech suit. No, exactly. To be a hero. And that, yeah, I fucking love Homecoming. And that's the thing. that's <laughs> always been like the basis of Pete is that his ingenuity and his intelligence is as much of a superpower yeah. as his strength and everything else. And that's another thing they do well in this movie. It's like another yeah. tick in the box. It's just, yeah, I fucking, I love Homecoming. It's a great, great film. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But yeah, um, um, I think that kind of sort of ties in. It does. I mean, obviously, six. we haven't really talked about the, yeah, that's Spider-Man. But then obviously what's happened since then with Tom Holland's Spider-Man is that he's gone on to be in the Avengers movies. Yeah. So he was in Avengers Infinity War and he was also in Endgame. Yeah. Um, and some shit happened to him, which is going yeah. to carry over into the next movie. I mean, um, yeah, and those are, I mean, it's, we could talk about them, but we've done episodes. No, we don't, we don't need to talk about those movies as a whole, but I feel like it's going to be the very unique position they're in now going forward into Far From Home is that Far From Home isn't just a sequel to Homecoming. It's a sequel to The Avengers. Yeah. To a point where there are some people who are pissed off about it because the, it spoils The Avengers. Yeah. Just just literally, like, even by going on to, like, chat shows and, and promoting his movie, he's invert, he has well, to Well, having the film out is a spoiler in yeah. itself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or, or, you know... Anyway, there's no... It complete, and again, it has comes back to that same problem that you have with Homecoming, which is that it will alienate anyone who hasn't isn't into this franchise. Yeah. People who just want to go and see a fun Spider-Man movie... Yeah. ...will have to deal with all and this weight and all this that's the character problem building. Now. It is, is a, a problem. It's like, not a problem for us, because we love this shit. No, yeah, but that's <laughs> the thing. At this stage, the barriers of entry are so high. Like we said in previous episodes, like my girlfriend's never seen like the Avengers films... Because she's not interested in the group film, she finds all the dynamics like really watered down, or it's all too much. Yeah, she likes the the focused singular film, so she's not seen Infinity War and Endgame. So if we go and see Spider Man together, she's going to be very confused. Yeah, but that's that. The, that's like the the ballsy nature of Marvel at this point is that they can do that because they're yeah. like, "Fuck you, you'll pay to see it." Well, <laughs> and that's the mean? thing; it's not even ballsy. It's just like if you, it's all there. It's yeah, all but, there if you want to watch it. You want to, if you want to start at this stage, you can. We'll probably explain a bit, but you won't understand that much of it. Yeah. 
It'd be interesting to see how much they lean on it, how much it is Peter's story. Because yeah. I do like, want to sort of see a point with the MCU, and this is a slight aside, I do want to see a point with the MCU that we get to where it's a new entry. So there is something that you can go in fresh. Yeah. I mean, there. yeah, there are certain things where, yeah. Like you get Guardians, like for example, like Guardians of the Galaxy, brilliant. Yeah. Ant-Man, great. Like these individual standalone yeah, ones that are great. I think there are certain ones where, I mean, even like, there are certain ones you can pick out where you could watch them in isolation. I feel like Ragnarok you could probably watch on its own. Mm. Maybe. Don't know. It's, it's, there's a lot of backstory in that. It really isn't there. It mm. relies on a lot of yeah, but then, known knowledge. But then you have like um, Black Panther. Yeah. A lot but of that. That's the thing. Like any of the ones. Yeah. Are great to start with, yeah. But then it's like right. But that's what I mean. From. Like I wasn't even but saying that. I was saying point, Black Panther. The whole inciting incident, almost of the whole thing, happened in another movie. Yeah. And <laughs> then and and it's explained in Black Panther at the start. Yeah. By the a TV report. Anyway, so I think yeah, like I said, I think we've sort of come to the end. We've talked about all the Spider Men, but yeah, so how it leads into sort of Far From Home yeah. is going to be really interesting. Um, and we've talked about. Yeah, the different versions of them, what we like, what we don't like. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing left to do is to do some sort of ranking. Oh. So do you want to go worst to best? Yeah. Okay, so what's the worst Spider-Man movie? Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. So Spider-Man 3, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Spider-Man 1. Okay. Homecoming, Spider-Man 2. Oh, I've missed one, haven't I? Tits. Okay, so, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Spider-Man 1. Yep. Homecoming, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, that's not far from what I would have. Yeah. I think, what would I have? I would have yeah, so I would have... Um, Spider-Man 3 is by far the worst. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man 1. Really? I think was, I would put up the top. Wow. I think, like I said, for all the reasons I said on the previous episode, um, it's, yeah, it's just pure. I, yeah. don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just... It, and it's like a template for how to do it. Yeah. Um, and I feel it gets the character right. It gets the origin spot on. Um, and a, a part of it, I guess, is there's a bit of nostalgia. I remember that movie coming out and being very excited by it. Yeah. I remember I was one of the people, one of the um, generation who forced it to be changed from a 12 to a 12A. Yeah. Because I, I at the time when it would have been a 12, I wouldn't have been allowed to go and see it. Well, that's because you're stupid and young. Um. But yeah, but uh, but that's yeah, that's the thing. Is it's uh, there are a couple that are guff, but by and large, all of the Spider-Man films are worth, really worth a watch. Yeah, and it, I'd they, say Amazing Spider-Man Two is watchable. Three is just nonsense. Only watch it if you really, 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 really want to, or really feel like you have to. Yeah, I th- th- yeah, like I said, the thing we've talked about already is that it just it just shits all over what's come before yeah so like the more you love one and two the more you'll hate three almost mm-hmm. like if you're really invested in one and two then i'd almost say don't watch three because it will ruin it 
Yeah, like definitely. Um, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man is like for me great cast, bad scripts. Yeah, which was the biggest frustration. Yeah, Mo- that's moments, great cast, moment, bad writing, bad writing. There are moments of greatness, but they just there are ill-advised decisions made, like the fucking focus on the parents and all that shite which yeah. there was no need for we didn't, didn't get into anywhere. a lot of that stuff but it's no. just no point there's no it's need for it nonsense um and it's and yeah i think like andrew garfield was probably the most accomplished actor of the three in terms of what he's what we've seen him do in things like you know Axel ridge and yeah i think now but don't forget that toby Maguire was like sea biscuit and all he was those yeah other, like he was, really really big big films he was, yeah, I guess. Um, but like, yeah, I feel he, he got done over, and it was. And like we said, we've already talked about our disappointment that how well it ended at the end of yeah. Amazing Spider-Man, and we never got to see more of that. Yeah, and that's the problem. What he did affected his career. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. Is he did something that he shouldn't? He should have gone along with it, not for the political reasons, but for his job's sake, he should have gone along with it. I guess so. But at the same time, if his personal beliefs weren't in line with what was being sort of sold and all the real reasons that he didn't turn up. Yeah, and it was just that I think he's been quite open about it. Like, There's a really interesting interview that they did with him and Amy Adams. Yeah. Where it was actors on actors interviewing each other and he talked about how he was like, it was part of this corporate machine and it wasn't, the story and the character weren't the top priorities. They weren't interested in that and that's what he signed on for. Yeah. And he said it kind of like broke my heart a little bit because it, the, the big thing about Andrew Garfield as well is that he was a massive Spider-Man fan. Yeah. And was like those pictures of him dressing up as Spider-Man when he was six years old or whatever. Yeah. And he was so excited to play the character and then to have it just be sort of melded. Taken away this, for the this, point of this expanded universe. Yeah, for the Sony flawed. thing. Must have been. I can see why that was the story. I completely, oh, God, yeah. I, I, I completely understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I um, can really, really do. Like, political... But yeah, it's one of those things like... In a perfect world, if they were going to focus on making more Spider-Man-focused things, yeah. then, yeah, he should have done it. But yeah. they didn't, so... Um, yeah, but anyway, so but I yeah. mean, we've moved on from that now. We've got Tom Holland, and I love Tom Holland. I think he's great. I think yeah. he's close to perfect, almost. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, he's, I think like that's the thing with all of these. I feel like they're not... not there is not one perfect one. They're all got, th- like, they've all got pluses and minuses. And in a, like a perfect world, I would create some sort of, you know, concoction, some sort of cocktail of all the different ones I get right. I want the origin story from one, but I want the cast from this one. But I want them to be younger. I want them to, and I want, yeah. the, I want all these different things mixed in together, and get a perfect Spider-Man movie. Yeah. We haven't quite had it yet. I don't think. No, I think the closest we've had is probably Spider-Man One. For me, it's followed closely by Homecoming. I think, yeah, I think if if you're gonna do a ground up Spider-Man film, Spider-Man One is probably the definitive thing. Yeah, because Homecoming does so much different, and Amazing does so much different. One is so true to everything that came before and after. Yeah, that functionally it is. I would argue it is the best Spider-Man film. But the, out of my enjoyment, I'd say, yeah, two is it for me. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think I think you're right. There are definitely things that could be brought together in a better way yeah. to make an incredible thing. But saying that, we've had you know what, how many years? Like eighteen years mm. of Spider-Man films. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's who's the best villain in all of them? The best villain. 
I'd say either Tombs or Doc Ock. Yeah. I loved it. I think like Vulture or Doc Ock. Yeah. What about, what about Green Goblin? What about Willem Dafoe? It's fine. It's just very... See, I love Tombs and I, I love the metaphor of Tombs as well because obviously there's the whole thing of he's your girlfriend's dad who's the, sc- yeah. who's the scariest person in your life when you're 15 years old. Yeah. Your girlfriend's dad. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. And I'm going to be... You know, if I ever have kids, I'm going to be the scariest fucking girlfriend's dad. Exactly. And I love just that whole scene where they're in the car. Oh, that'll be all the time. But if, just, but I, if I, have I love that there's, yeah, again, there's another great video online, which is lessons from the screenplay about that scene, how, yeah. it, how it builds tension. Yeah. And how Tombs slowly pieces all the pieces, you know, puts everything together and figures out that Peter is Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Fucking love it. And like the way it's shot as well, like the bit where the light turns green and it's just oh, fucking. Oh, love it. Anyway, yeah, we've rambled on about Spider Man long enough. Yeah, we've spoken lots and lots and lots about Spider Man. So we're gonna, yeah. The next thing that we've got coming is Spider Man Far From Home, which we're gonna see this week. Yeah, Um, we depending on when we put this out, we might have already seen it and be in the process of editing the episode. (laughs) So um, yeah, stick with us for that because then that will sort of tie it off for the time being until we get the inevitable. Far From Home 2. Yeah, so that, and it will actually tie it off in terms of not only for Spider-Man, but also for Marvel. Yes. Because um, this, this will be the last Marvel movie of this year. Um, we don't know when the next one is out. Um, and it's the end of Phase 3. Yeah, so, so it's, it's a lot going on in this next movie. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that and get into it. I'm sure we'll probably do a spoiler part of that episode as well, because there'll yeah. be lots to talk about. Definitely. Um, but in the meantime, let us know what you think about Spider-Man. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. Yes. So it'll be really interesting to see what you guys think. Do you hate one ver- version of it? Do you love one version of it? Do you agree with our rankings? Do you have your own ranking? Yeah, let us know. Put your own rankings. Send us some, Send us to them. Um, send them to us on sort of Twitter, Facebook, yeah, Gmail. Yeah, yeah. Put them in the Instagram comments and let us know what you think, and we'll you know we'll shout out anything that's particularly good. Yeah. If it's rubbish, we're not going to read it out. Or if you think that three is great, then we're going to find you and beat you up. Um, because we have a responsibility. Yeah. And the power. So we're going to beat you up if you think three is good. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> speaking of socials, you can find us at the Omcast Pod at gmail dot com and the Omcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter follow us on there can you give us a sort of a, a, a like and a review if yeah. you can on itunes or any of your podcatcher platforms um yeah and i think that's about it yeah cool thanks guys thanks see you next week bye bye oh god you know i just remembered the the reporter at the end of spider-man 3 <laughs> it's hard to describe the brutality of it we don't know if he's going to make it. He seems to have come out of nowhere to answer the prayers of the citizens. <laughs> there is very little hope for these refugees. Refugees who must be wondering who, if anyone, can save them. Here in Golmira, it is a descent into the furthest bowels of hell. <laughs> you've, got, tu- you've got it, that far too well memorised. It, it, it turns out that the, <laughs> the woman being held hostage is in fact Mary Jane Watson. An actress recently seen on a brief stint on Broadway. Oh, I fucking hate that trope. Yeah. But yeah. Well, the fact that they kidnap Mary Jane at the end of every fucking movie. No, just, <laughs> it's just the r- reporter. Sorry.
I can, yeah, sorry, it's just I can hear every um, shuffle. Anyway, 